Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. That was two years ago, mate. Get over it. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just when we search, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cup. It is a Thursday, May the 10th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. How much footy did you see this week, Charlie? This is our question we now ask at the start of this football podcast. How much footy did you see? Well, if people loved last week's episode where uh, I saw virtually no football, well, they're going to love this week's episode where the only thing I watched was about a half of the Saints game in which my wife said to me, if you're going to yell at your computer every five minutes, go outside. <laughs> and so I folded up my laptop, put it away, watched something on Netflix and went to sleep. And I have no idea what else happened this weekend. Then I went on holiday for four days. So I have no idea what happened. Charlie, uh, you know that I'm one of those people that has a like a Band-Aid over the camera on my computer. Um, you know, look, there's just things you do in front of your computer, whether they be financial transactions or, you know, I don't know. Uh, Person- personal withdrawals. Else. Exactly. Personal withdrawals. That's good, Charlie. Very classy way to, to put it. Um, look, you know, uh, there's things that you don't want people to see. That's what you should be yeah. when you're watching the Saints play on your yeah. computer. You should put a Band-Aid over the camera so nobody can be filming you. I didn't even think of that. Like, I, 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 I doubt I probably did have anything over the, the camera because we just recorded a TOEFOP. So if anything, people would have seen... I mean... It wouldn't be an exciting kind of like celebrity sex tape to get out. It would be kind of depressing. Like it would just be one man's face contorted, yelling, why can't you hit a target? Like you're in the open, hit a target. I mean, he's got these 20 metres in the clear, just put it out in space. No, why are you going to the corridor? Stop doing that. I, I would love it if Dane Swan style, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we leaked this uh, video of you watching the Saints play, but we said it was a sex tape, like yeah. just out of shot. There is someone else there, but this is just what's going through your mind and what you're saying during this torrid sexual encounter. Yeah, it wouldn't be that much different. I mean, the the thing I've come to accept about the Saints is that we're terrible. Like, I think maybe we were 80%, 20%, like we we're playing at about 80% terribleness at the start of the year. And now psychologically, it's dropped down to about 30%. Like our goal kicking... I can't remember a team in recent memory that has been in, as bad in front of goal, like gettable goals. Like it got to the point, the reason why Jem was telling me to stop yelling is that every time we lined up for goal, the first two shots we had, I think we kicked one four in the first quarter, maybe even one five. And the first two that missed, I was like, okay, I can't watch. So I was like a horror movie, had my hands over my eyes and we just would not look. I would just wait to hear what the crowd reaction was. And it was just, I mean, I don't know. How you fix this? How do you inject skill into a team? Can you coach skill into a team? Well, it's it's interesting, isn't it, with the Saints because they are terrible. Unfortunately, Charlie, you're absolutely right. I think they're terrible, and it's very hard to see at the moment how they will stop being terrible. They are. It's it's at that time now where there was a bit of speculation around this week that um, what St Kilda should be doing is making Alistair Clarkson like a you know, a, you know a, a massive, massive offer, like $2 million a year or whatever it is he needs and come in and just rebuild St Kilda. But I feel like it's they're missing Seaford. You know, I've said this before, Charlie, but it's Saints back to Seaford. I feel like this is the sort of time, you know, like when there was that renegade group that were going to take over the board at Richmond because mm. they thought that the Richmond board weren't doing a good job a year and a half ago. I want to launch one of those at St Kilda. I want to find some, who are your ex, like your former St Kilda people who are like the renegades who could put together a little posse back to the club? Grant Thomas. Shane Warne. Shane Warne. Oh, see, this is it. Now you're already cooking with gas, right? If we can get Grant Thomas and Shane Warne in a room with like, we need a prominent media identity who barracks for the Saints. Mm. You. So <laughs> it's Grant Thomas. It's Shane Warne and it's you. And then you need like uh, maybe 
a current day sort of ex-player, I reckon, is who you need. Yeah, so like you a need Rob like, Harvey. A Rob Harvey. He's the kind of, you know, he's the anointed one at St Kilda. If Rob uh, Harvey. Yeah. Came so, in. so no. Okay. So their plan is to, uh, they're going to, yeah, they're going to bring Rob Harvey back to the club in a board capacity. Uh, they're going to appoint Alistair Clarkson on this like golden handshake deal, and the idea is that Rob Harvey will take over when Clarko's rebuilt the club. That's their kind yeah. of pitch that they're taking back. And the other thing is that they demand they go back to Seaford. I, and I think I don't even need to be on the board. I think you just use me at the press conference. You know, like when uh, like a political party is trying to like take down their opponents and you know, a scandal happens, they'll bring out the person who's been affected by the scandal. That person will tell their heartbreaking story of whatever, you know, misfortune happened to them. So that's like, I think, so Shane Warne, you know, welcomes, no, Grant Thomas welcomes the media. Shane Warne gets up and talks. And then they say, now, the reason we are taking this action is like to invite someone to the stage, Charlie Clawson, I come up and I, shaken, like a broken man, shaken, just tell the history of my supporting the Saints and what I have witnessed this year and, and, and how that's left me. Oh, you know what you're missing from your power posse, I've realised? You need like a, a big money backer. You need like, you know, someone who's going to stump up the cash. So I'm, saying, bring, I'm suggesting... Can we bring Lindsay, Fo- Lindsay Fox back? Because he did that oh. in the 80s. Lindsay Fox saved you know us what? in the 80s. Do we bring him back or is that is that boring? Do we need someone sexier? Well, okay. I, I like the idea that no, if you're actually going to do this for reals, you, of course, yeah. Lindsay Fox, you bring back. That's the only guy who barracks for St. Kilda who could actually afford to do this. To cl- oh, that's exactly what should happen. Lindsay Fox should come back and he should like give Alistair Clarkson like free trucks. Like, even if he doesn't pay him $2 million a year, just say you can have, like, three free trucks to do with whatever you want. Free petrol and free trucks for as I long think, as you want. The boys have to go to games in trucks. I think when Lindsay Fox came back in the 80s to save us, one of the big overhauls he did, one of the big kind of power moves he did was he got Jezelinko from Carlton to St Kilda, but in a player-coach capacity. So I know, Will, you're a big fan of the old-school player-coach role. If Lindsay Fox came in and said, I mean, who do you get? Luke Hodge, I guess, is the most obvious one, but probably needs someone who's got a bit more currency. So maybe like a like a Nat Fife. Like, do you reckon right. he gives Nat Fife five million dollars, two-year contract, five million to be yeah. player coach. Player coach. And Nat yeah. Fife would be into that, I reckon. Yeah, like totally. I, I mean he could keep his chopper in the back of one of the trucks. I mean, this feels like a pretty good plan to me, I've got to be honest with you. You lure Nat Five to Victoria by offering him the captain-coach role. It, oh, yeah, that's good. I love it. I love well, it. Uh, here's what I'm going to say to you, is that yeah. um, today, Eddie's off to his... Um, uh, he's on that AFL, you know, 12 people who are going to kind of discuss the future of the game committee, committee they now have. And right. um, so he was looking for suggestions this morning, uh, you know, for things that he could take to the meeting. And we were taking calls and stuff. But I did suggest our idea that you should be able to activate, because we were talking about the concussion rule and being able yeah. to activate the emergencies. And I said, take it a step further. Anyone who's involved in any capacity at the club can be activated into a game. So, like, obviously, if you're an assistant coach, you're a coach, you're a president. Like, imagine if Richmond are playing Gold Coast later in the year or Richmond are playing St Kilda and Richmond are like, oh, we're going to rest a few players and also Peggy Noonan's going to play at full forward. <laughs> or if, if, you, if you were the Eagles, could you, like, sub in Danny Green? Like, if, you know, maybe you, you, we, we combine our two favourite topics, goons... And the sub rule, can West Coast sub in Danny Green for a home game just to like belt someone in the forward pocket? I would love to see the coach has to come out and announce it. Um, I would say Bevo style, Bevo grand final style. I'd just like to invite Bob Murphy up here. They've just got to like, they've got to go out. They make an announcement. They drop a flag of some kind. Yeah. And they make an announcement and they just like to say, ladies and gentlemen, you'll notice world champion boxer Danny Green (laughs) is in the audience tonight. Danny. (laughs) Come up here! <laughs> and Danny comes down. Yeah, that's good. I like that. You can activate anybody who's affiliated with your club or just a member. They could do it as a, like a lucky members draw. Like if you're actually yeah. a member of your... That, that's a way to get people to sign up for their memberships. 100%. I mean, I don't know if that would work so much at St Kilda. Maybe that's the thing. Like Maybe that's the problem. St Kilda's always been like that flaky showbiz, wild card, you know, like St Kilda the suburb used to be. That's... Maybe we just need to go unorthodox. Maybe that's the problem. We've been following the blueprint of Chris Pelchin and all these other clubs like Hawthorne have built their way to success. 
It's the George Costanza principle. St. Kilda should be doing the opposite of everything that their instincts tell them to do. I mean, I th- there is a part of me that thinks that's a great plan. I would love if uh, Alan Richardson on a Monday morning review has just gone in and goes, guys, instead of uh, the game and reviewing the game on the weekend, I'm just going to show you this episode of popular American sitcom <laughs> Seinfeld. <laughs> and they sit there and he just goes, guys, we're Costanzering it. Yeah, and I love it if they would do it like a normal kind of match meeting where normally they'd play highlights of the game, they would pause it, they would circle positions on the field, but it's just an episode of Seinfeld and they just pause it, they circle George and say, see how George here is making the decision not to follow his instincts? That's what you guys need to do on the ground. I mean, that was the weird thing about the game, the, the, the Saints game on the weekend. Listen to the commentary. They started commentating more on uh, the player's psychology, the Saints player's psychology kicking for goal than any of the action that was actually happening on the field. Like it became a a moment of intrigue because it's like, oh geez, they've missed like five set shots in a row. What could possibly be going through this player's mind right now? Right, absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're thinking about it too much and they're thinking about doing it the right way and getting it wrong. In that situation, the only possible solution is thinking about doing it the wrong way and hoping that that means you get it right. <laughs> Can we not talk about St Kilda anymore? What no, else one happening? more thing. This is, this, no, is why I'm lobbying no. for the Saints. this is why I'm lobbying for the Saints back to Seaford because it feels like the yeah. complete opposite of what you actually really want to do. <laughs> And this is, this is, uh, oh, so if we can't get Lindsay Fox involved in our crazy plan, I suggest we get the guy who owns the subway at Seaford, the one that must be almost going out of business since the Saints have moved out of town. He's, he's realized how much he's losing from his business and that's his like ulterior motive. He said, I'll back this whole plan, but you've got to bring the Saints back to Seaford. Well, just push us further south. Maybe like maybe Seaford's too obvious. Maybe we just keep heading south to Tasmania. Maybe we just set up and become the Tassie Saints. I mean, I don't think that's a bad idea. I mean, obviously, Tassie, could you become the Tassie Devils? Ah. I know we've already got a team called the Demons, so maybe that doesn't work. But like there'd be a play on Saints. You could still keep the colours. St Kilda's yeah. always had a real association with Tasmania. Yeah. So you go down there, you play as the yeah Tasmanian... Uh, devils, the Tassie Devils, but you, you're still in the kind of Saints, and the Devil has a little halo on it to keep yeah. the St Kilda sort of in there. Well, what if it's like the Devil Saints? So when we play at home, you're playing the Tassie Devils, and <laughs> when we're playing on the mainland, you're playing the Saints. Could you be the Devil Saints? I like that because that's balance. You know, in this world, Charlie, where we're all <laughs> out of balance, I think. <laughs> Yeah, we should all be voting for the Labour Liberal Party. Yeah, in fact, I think Geelong and uh, my team should uh, have a merger so we can be the dog cats. <laughs> so I, one thing I did notice, um, Tom Hawkins pushed an umpire. I didn't see it. Was it violent? Was it aggressive? What's happening? Did Tommy Hawkins just lose it? He shouldn't have done it. It was, no, you know what it was more? What? It was dopey. Right. It was clumsy. It was like... It was, it was like you wanted to almost say to the umpire, oh, don't worry about him. He's just, he's he doesn't lug. quite understand. He's yeah. clumsy. Like, he's, a big you know, he's a doofus. Look at him. <laughs> like he essentially got one week for being a doofus. So was it, the, the famous one is the Greg Williams hand on the chest fend off that got him like six weeks or eight weeks back in the day, right? That's the one that everyone sort of remembers. Was it equivalent to that? Did he give him a shove? No, he didn't give him a shove, but he certainly touched him. And look, I thought they did the, here's what I will say. I thought they got it right. I thought it was one of those things that probably didn't deserve a week, but because you've got to have that idea that you can't touch the umpires, which I think is actually a really important idea, particularly for junior footy and stuff, um, then you have to be seen to be punishing them. I thought one week was enough, and I thought the Geelong was smart enough to come to that realisation themselves and kind of go... I think this was like the perfectly negotiated... You know, like that the series Suits? Have you ever seen that TV series Suits? Like the guy who's the, um, the, the, the gun lawyer in that, his big thing is he doesn't really get to trial that much because he always like, you know, ends up winning these negotiations beforehand. And this one felt a little bit like that. They got the result that everybody was happy with. In the Saints-Demons game, <clears throat> there was a great bit of uh, mic'd up umpire action where Christian Petrarca 
gave away a 50 meter penalty and it was the best because it was just this high pitch because the umpire's like paying the free kick against him and then it's just just high pitched oh fuck off <laughs> and the umpire's like eh, abusive language 15 meters but it was perfect like it was one of those things where they said let's just listen in to see what the umpire's explanation for the free kick and they tuned in just as christian was like oh fuck off <laughs> Well, what I love as well, which they may not have picked up, but you might have heard about from the weekend, was that every time Petrarca went near the ball, he was being heckled by other players barking like dogs. No. Yeah, because he was out two weeks with the dog bite. And so yeah. every time he went near the ball, apparently all the other players were like, rum, 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 rum. <laughs> Hang on, Saint, Saints or Demons? That something sounds like something the Demons would be doing. I know, it's right out of their playbook. They were yeah. probably really disappointed they didn't think of it themselves. Yeah, Cam Oliver's just right next to him at the bounce. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the thing. Maybe people thought it was the Saints, but it was actually what they picked up on the microphones was the other Demons players doing it. Uh, who'd the Bulldogs uh, play on the weekend? Was it Gold Coast? Yeah, Gold Coast at Ballarat, mate. Clash of traditional rivals in our traditional rival stadium, Mars Stadium in Ballarat. And you, um, and you won, I, I take it. Yes, we did win. We just won. Uh, Gold Coast were very, very competitive. And uh, we were playing without a fellow by the name of Marcus Bontempelli, who okay. is clearly our best player, who pulled out at the very last moment. And uh, I was a bit worried about this going into this game. And there was about three quarters of this game that my worries were pretty well founded because Gold Coast were playing pretty well. And actually, you know what the weird thing is about the Bulldogs? Is the more I watch them, the more you're really caught between two things, which is that we're not very good. But I think for the players that we have on the field, we're probably playing better than we should be playing. And that's kind of how I feel about the Bulldogs at the moment. You're like, we have, like, we won a game yeah. that we probably could have lost with the team that we had. And so I think you've actually just got to go, that's a good result. I mean, it was lovely to see, I will say this, that McRae, who is one of my absolute favourite players, and I think is just a genuine A-grader who probably doesn't get the attention that he deserves. Um, without Bontempelli, he just, like, stepped up and, like, you know, had 40 touches and just really, really dominated. And I, it, that was really, that was, like, the most fun bit of the game to watch, really. I had a, a little profound moment of soul searching today because I've been on a little four-day break down at Palm Springs. Beautiful little hotel I was staying at. Basically just sat by the pool and, you know, spent some time with my wife who I haven't seen in three months. And then when it was time to leave, uh, she was packing up and I was standing at the edge of the pool just like staring into the water, just thinking about, oh yeah, well, I'll, I'll get back to LA and we'll, we'll do the podcast. And, and so I'll talk again about uh, this sport that my team just can't play and you know, when we started this podcast, it was kind of like a, uh, like a humorous idea that both our teams couldn't play. But you saw a flag. So you're sustained for this podcast staying like this for an, a few years at least, I think. Because you, you have that. Well, but Here's what I would say, Charlie, is that I've already got all that I'm ever going to get out of it. Let's be honest. No. Like, it, chances are, in the lifetime of this podcast, I'm never going to see the Bulldogs win another <laughs> premiership. So that's, that's the spirit. <laughs> like, if we stop now, it'd be like, like what you know, one of your favorite TV shows that just goes that one series too long? Like, yeah. maybe that's what we are. Yeah. Maybe there was no reason for us to bring this back. Maybe we should have just done that one season. The Bulldogs won the premiership, and we should have finished it then, and it would have been a perfect show, but suddenly then we had to reboot it. Yeah, you're the guy. Are we Roseanne? Won... Are we the new Roseanne, Charlie? <laughs> you're the guy who won big on the pokies first go. Like you just cleaned up and now you're just sort of chasing the dragon. You're like, the next one will be win big. Meanwhile, your mate next to you who's a fucking problem gambler <laughs> has lost everything. Just keeps pouring more and more coins in those pokies. Yeah, but I, won't, I can't go to the pokies by myself. So I drag <laughs> you along every week. <laughs> oh my God. It's Come like on, remember that time I won big. <laughs> And I, because I was sitting next to you when you won big, and it really yeah. inspired me. It was like, well, if Will can win big, maybe I can. It's like the, a horribly, uh, uh, it's a horribly abusive codependent relationship we're involved in. Yeah, absolutely. You're my lucky charm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm the opposite to you. I'm like William H Macy in the cooler to you. Anytime I'm around, your team is just terrible. No, that, that's the, the point. I'm the cooler. 
Like the only common denominator in all these years has been me. Maybe if I stopped following the Saints, they would win a flag. Maybe it's one of those alternate kind of dimension sort of things where, you know, there's 17 other dimensions in which I don't barrack for St Kilda. In all those dimensions, St Kilda are really successful. But this one, there's just something about the chemistry. Me barracking for the Saints has caused this lifetime of misery. Or how about this? Uh, Richo, um, you know, he goes, guys, I hope you found last week's episode of Seinfeld pleasing and positive. Uh, but uh, this week I've got something different for you. Here's a series of clips I've edited together of uh, Charlie Clawson in his various performances in Australian TV shows. Here's Home and Away, here's Wolf Creek, here's uh, Blue Healers, here's McLeod's Daughters. And he just goes through everything that you've ever done in your career. Uh, and then he just says, well, this guy has just stopped barracking for us. Oh. just uses you as like the, the, the motivator. Mav? Uh, yeah, no, Mav, Mav, stop crying. It's okay. Someone yeah. get Mav some tissues, would you? Uh, poor fella. Yeah, he's, he's a good one, Charlie. Yeah, he's a beauty. He's a real beauty. Yeah, no. Nah. Yeah, no, nah, we like Charlie. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's been very positive for the Saints, been very pleasing. Uh, but uh, poor little fella has not had a lot to be uh, happy about. And oh boy, that, 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 that gets in our guts. You know, we know that we've just got to, we've got to prove it on the track. You know, that's all we can do. You know, we're hurting. We're, yeah, nah. Um, oh, something that we may have underestimated like everybody else in the media this time uh, last week when we did an episode was uh, Ross Lyon. Uh, it mm. turns out that um, I think last time when we were talking about it, the, the kind of word that was around was it might have been like a $10,000 settlement and which kind of implied that the thing while being offensive or whatever had not been sort of as yeah, anyway whatever whatever that implied it felt like it implied that uh, yeah. it turns out it might have been over $100,000 which in the same way as the fact that it was $10,000 seemed to imply one thing the fact that mm. it was over $100,000 seems to imply something else and I yeah. felt that was worth noting <laughs> It's a bit like the Bill O'Reilly thing, right? You don't pay $32 million for nothing. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, in other Fremantle news, Charlie, mm. uh, I was looking at the coaches' votes. Uh, and mm. uh, guess who got uh, all the coaches' votes for that game? Uh, God, gee, there's so many Frio players yep. to think of. Who could I mean, it be? Oh, I mean, Aaron Sandlands, Hayden Ballantyne. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Well, Pavlich retired, so I wouldn't be him. Yeah. Sean McManus nah, retired no. a long time before. That Peter Mann, sure. he hasn't probably played in about 20 years, so that, no. that'd be insane it would be him. Um, no. Winston Abraham, that also no, seems far-fetched. So. <laughs> Harley Bennell, no, I don't think so. <laughs> One of the car boys when he played at Frio, that could have been uh, him. Zach Dawson? Is, is there a chance uh, Zach Dawson Mike, got votes? Michael, Michael Johnson... Um, uh, the one who went to GWS, I've completely tapped out for Frio players. Paul Hazelby. Paul Hazelby, yeah. Yeah. Um, Peter Bell, uh, before, after he played for North. Um, come on, there's got to be another Fremantle player you can think of. Oh, uh, 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 McFarlane? Sure. <laughs> Nat Fife, you're talking about Nat Fife. Yeah, Nat Fife. He's Frio's best player, guys. Yeah. Yeah, he really is. And this has been our weekly Nat Fife is the best player at Frio Report. (laughs) Well, while we're on the West, we've um, had a few whispers. Do you want to hear them? I'd love to hear some whispers from the West. I was actually in the West last weekend and uh, loved my time over in the West, I've got to say. Uh, Had a, a lot of people in West Coast Eagles jumpers in my second show on Saturday night who'd obviously been to the game and then come straight to the show. So thank you to those West Coast fans who have not been put off by my two years of ranting about your team and have embraced my newly found love for your team. Whispers from the West. Can we keep this one anonymous? We sure can. I talked to some Fremantle players and Damien Barrett style. I can reveal that Fremantle do not wash their own socks. So this is great. This is a merger of right. two of our favorite topics, whispers from the Western Sock Gate. The socks, shorts, and jumpers all get thrown in and washed by the club, then assigned to the players on game day according to what size they need to wear. So each week could be wearing someone else's socks. Then every four weeks or so, they get a new batch of socks and the cycle repeats. Hashtag Sockgate. <laughs> what I didn't ask is if when they play in Melbourne, do they put their dirty socks in a plane <laughs> and fly them home? 
Or does someone in Melbourne do it like a laundromat on Burke Street and then they collect it the next time they play? It's like Inception. I mean, I don't know why you'd want to be anonymous because this is a fantastic entry. Um, but By the way, just can we just pause on that one for a second because yeah. this is absolutely... This is just an element of, you know, you peel the onion just a little bit further and you discover something about it I had not even considered. Yeah. I now really need to know what happens. And it's not just like Frio, it would be any club doing the same circumstance, right? Which yeah. is, and even the players who are taking the socks home by themselves, well, players who are taking the socks home by themselves, I imagine are just putting their dirty playing socks in their bag and their bag goes under the plane and they have a dirty, yeah. smelly bag from their dirty socks anytime they travel interstate, right? Yeah. Um, but the clubs that are communally washing the socks, mm. they're not washing those socks in Melbourne, are they? They're surely they're getting a big bag of dirty socks and taking them all home to Perth to wash them. Not if you, yeah, if you're coming from WA, it's all about recovery. You're not dawdling. I mean, imagine that. They don't fly on Saturday night because Bev needs to take a load of socks down to the laundromat. I mean, I just don't think that that would cut it. Uh, with, Why are you guys staying in Perth for a week? Oh, the, the real reason is that uh, our washing machine's broken and it takes <laughs> us a week to wash the socks. Well, what I love about this uh, entry in Whispers uh, from the West is like a good puzzle box. It actually answered a few of our questions from earlier and then created a whole new question. So Yeah, it's like an episode we, of Westworld. When we speculated about uh, the communal washing of socks, what one of the, the lingering questions was, well, does that mean that from week to week you wear a different person's socks? And this is clearly what happens at Frio. I mean, I do love that there'd be a bunch of normal socks and then there'd be Aaron Sanderland socks, which would look like Christmas stockings, right? Like... That's going in its own. So maybe that gets its own wash. You wash the whole team's socks and then Aaron Sandland's two socks get their own wash. Oh, well, speaking of uh, big socks, <laughs> let me... I know. It's weird that I have a segue for that, but I actually have a really good segue for that. Speaking of big socks, uh, Geelong played GWS on uh, Friday night, which was uh, a game that I watched three quarters of before my show in WA. And uh, Geelong were okay. And GWS were terrible. But Geelong, let's just move on to the most important thing, uh, their socks. So Geelong were wearing their <laughs> white socks, but they had like a an orange loop around them. And that I thought, that's really weird because they're playing GWS who also wear orange, right? And mm. it, was, it was for a charity and it was all for a good cause and whatever. Um, but it just seemed a weird week to do it, you know, to, to wear orange when they were playing GWS. But the big thing that I noticed was, Paddy Dangerfield wasn't wearing the socks that had the orange loop around it. So immediately you're just like, does he not support this cause for some reason? Like, is yeah. he is it like a moral objection? He's looking at their finances and he doesn't know, like the way they do their business. He goes, most of these money goes to the actual organisation and not to the victims. Like, but it was revealed. Yeah. It was revealed what the reason actually is. And it turns out that he has his calves are so big that they couldn't make a pair of socks that fit around his cuffs. Wow. Does it surprise you that Paddy has the biggest calves in the team? Yeah. Wouldn't Tom Hawkins or someone like that have bigger calves? Um, I mean, I think a more squat player. I, don't, I, don't, I can't think of the top of my head who, but like a Paul Chapman type, I right. think would have big thighs. But Paddy... Doesn't seem like that kind of like, you know, a traditional sentiment. He's more of like a, you know, he's, a, he's quick and fast. I thought he would have lithe muscles, you know, he, like right. long lithe muscles, not like chunky hobbit legs. Well, maybe what it is is like a foot to calf ratio. So maybe mm. he can't get a sock. Like you could get a big sock that would go over your calf properly. But what it wouldn't do is fit your foot properly because it's an oversized sock for you. Maybe he has like a smaller foot, but a bigger calf and it's a foot to calf ratio that you need for your socks, really. But you'd think that, yeah, I get you. So if it's a small foot, uh, they're, they're going to be a narrower, it's going to be a narrow sock. Right. Because otherwise narrower leg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. Like, do you like socks? Listen to two guys, one cup, an AFL podcast. <laughs> 
because I know this is going to sound like I'm making it up, but when I think now to the Saints-Demons game, there was sock discussion in that game as well because <laughs> the Demons were also wearing different socks because the commentators were complaining that the socks aren't, they're not long socks, that the socks they were wearing weren't your traditional knee-high footy socks. They were kind of like mid-shin mid, mid kind of socks. <laughs> I should also wait. I've been driving for about six hours. I'm a, I'm a little delirious. Well, we're going to keep this episode uh, really tight today because uh, we're, we are just squeezing this in, uh, both yeah. of us in between things. So uh, is it, what else can I tell you about the weekend's footy? I'll tell you this. Well, uh, do you want, we've got more whispers. Oh, no, no, yeah. Well, let's go to that. Um, now, listen, this isn't really a whisper. It's coming from the West. It's, not a, it's a rumor, uh, but it's, well, not a rumor. It's more of a proposal, a proposal from the West. Players should wear their weights on the back of their jumpers instead of their numbers. I mean, I don't mind it, but the numbers have to differentiate them from each other. So what you need to do on your list to make this plan actually work is that everybody has like a different weight. So you actually have to, when they talk about having a perfectly balanced squad, Mm. you literally have to have a perfectly balanced squad because if you've got two guys on 88, they both... That's no good. One of them has to be 87 or 88. Yeah, one of them either has to put on a kilo or lose a kilo. Another whisper from the West. Do you guys subscribe to the conspiracy theory that giving Nick Nat one week off is so the struggling favourite child of the AFL can maybe get a win? Um, who's Who have West Coast got this week? GWS, obviously. Yeah. Um, I don't subscribe to that. I think that the Nick Nat thing is also... Did you see that tackle of his? No. No. It's one of those tackles that in the old days, before, you know, all this worrying about the sanctity of the head, that we, you would have gone, let's put that on the end of your highlight tape as like being just an awesome tackle. You know, a big, fast guy just mowing a little guy into the ground. But they did a little bit of my, you know, small foot to calf ratio stuff uh, <laughs> at the tribunal because they actually said that he had to calculate his weight versus the weight of the person that he was tackling. And I thought, well, there. Oh, Charlie, here's an idea. Oh, that's where the that, weights on the back of the jumpers come in handy. Right, right. Yes, yeah. you can immediately assess the weight of. In fact, this is the only way around this. Oh, this you is know the only what? way we can keep the tackle in the game is to put the weight of the player on their back as their number. And clearly, that's what our last uh, uh, whisper from the West was trying to tell us. It's just taken us two minutes to get the joke. <laughs> I think that's actually. Fantastic. All right. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. <laughs> and if we watch more football on the weekend, we would get your clever, clever jokes. What I love, Charlie, is I was about to propose this and Kilda should just start drafting really tiny little people because mm. then they wouldn't be able to be tackled. It's a yes, great new a game great plan. Idea. Like yeah. no one can tackle them because they're tiny. In fact, instead of burning dwarves down at St. Kilda, <laughs> they should be recruiting them. We've got another whisper from the West, Will. Tom Lynch will sign with the Tigers at the end of the year. Why? Because Richmond recently signed his sister to play for the VFLW Richmond team. AFLW? I mean, yeah, was there a VFLW uh, well, as well? Right, okay. Do, do, Tigers don't have a team in the AFLW, AFLW yet, w. do they? Okay, don't think but so. But I think that they might be one of the next clubs or whatever, perhaps. And uh, so, yes, I did hear this. I did hear they'd signed his sister. But, you know, do we know what the nature between, of the relationship between he and his sister is? Like, maybe you don't want to be working at the same place as your sister works, you know what I mean? Like, there's some shit that you might get up to in your workplace that perhaps you don't want your sister knowing about, being up in all your business. And also, you work with those guys. What if your sister starts dating one of those guys, then it becomes awkward around the club. Maybe you want to be at a club that's completely away from where your sister is. I love that you are talking about two professional athletes as if once you're put in the same facility, it's like they're like two 14-year-olds in a cramped suburban home. Like they're just yeah. slamming doors and yelling at each well, other. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, imagine you go to use the gym one day and you only, only can use half of it because she's drawn a line down the <laughs> middle and said, this is my side and this is your side. She keeps hiding your footy boots to teach you a lesson. When you go in for match re- when she goes for match review, she kicks you off because she wants to watch The Bachelor. Right, exactly. Like, and you're like, where's Tom? Oh, he's farting on his sister's face again. Like, it's just. <laughs> this is not so much a, a whisper from the West, but it's an email from the West or a message from the West. 
Um, hi, guys. I was wondering if this week you could talk about the difference in the way Bomber Thompson and Ben Cousins have been treated. Ben was a young man who made many mistakes and paid for them, but Bomber should have known better. Benny mostly hurt himself, but if, he, if the charges prove true, then Bomber was a trafficker. All I hear is we need to get around Bomber, but Ben, my beloved, uh, but Ben and my beloved Eagles were fucking crucified by the AFL and most and the mostly Victorian media. Would love to hear your guys' thoughts on this and how about those Eagles? Okay, let's start with the last bit first. How about yeah. those Eagles? Yeah, I'm right good. up with you, mate. How about those Eagles? Um, I think that we're we're a bit more sympathetic now and understanding of um, you know the world of drugs and we've seen a bit more of it and I think partly because of the Cousins thing. But I think at the start, the Cousins stuff was, was everyone was, we've got to get around 100%. Ben. And every, there was only two positions. Everyone was either, we've got to get around Ben or I want to party with Ben. Yeah. And what people probably did a little bit too much in retrospect, seeing that again this week, West Coast have sacked him again. And uh, it turns, well, the word is that he's back, you know, having trouble with drugs yet again. Um, and, you know, he's been to prison now and he's had assaults and done a whole bunch of really horrible things since. We probably, it probably would have been helpful in retrospect that people didn't celebrate it or laugh about it or do any of those sort of things anywhere near as much as they did. So mm. it's been nice to see with the bomber stuff that they haven't done that bit of it. And yeah, there has been a, a, a fair degree of sympathy around him. But I think there's a fair, despite everything that Ben has done, I think the general vibe around Ben Cousins is that no one thinks it's funny anymore. And yeah. I was certainly a person at one stage who was ju- yeah, who thought it was a funny thing to laugh about. And I, I have not for a very long time thought it's funny. And for me, the Cousins thing, it, it feels to me like there's only one way it can end now. And when it does, people will stand around and go, oh, this is such a surprise. And it, it shouldn't be because that fucking man needs so much help. And when he gets the help, he still can't, but you just got to keep helping people. I think there's a great deal of sympathy for Ben Cousins. Yeah, I think so too. Like, and also the way when he was had to, it was an enforced year off and then the AFL let him back in and then he was able to switch clubs and he made that documentary and he released a book. I think, I think that people have been on a roller coaster with Ben Cousins. I agree at the start that people were maybe taking it a bit lightly, but then when it went down, I think there was, if anything, people are horrified. If that's coming yeah. off as harsh or like they're banging for blood, I don't think it is. I just think it's like people are horrified by what they're seeing because it's such a, a it's such a spiral. Um, I think we feel with the bomber stuff that like, I, I think we have learnt a bit. I think we're just a bit better and a bit more grown up in the same ways we would be about mental health and all those sort of things. We're a yeah. bit more conscious of it after the herd stuff about how much stuff can affect people and how these people are actually just people as well. I think we've just got a bit more sympathy maybe now. Yeah, and I guess too, like what is to be gained? Like just say, just, just say you felt that Ben had been vilified or hounded by the Victorian media. What's to be gained by sending the attack gods in a second time? I mean, does it even the ledger in any way? Even it, it up. Yeah. Does it make it any better for Ben or his situation? No. no Two guys, one cup. Football laughs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It got a little, sorry. Well, it was really our email from the West. <laughs> <laughs> but provocative yeah. question, mate. Well done. We turned into SEN just for a second. <laughs> uh, okay, so you've got a landscape gardener coming around, so we're going to keep this tight. Uh, not a euphemism. No, not a euphemism at all. So should we look at maybe next week's games? Yeah, I will just say quickly, Collingwood-Brisbane yep. was a fantastic game of football. If you ever get a chance to re-watch a game of footy from last weekend, uh, that Collingwood-Brisbane game... Uh, they kicked so straight. It went from end to end. Both teams. Here's the thing, Charlie. I said last week on the show that I have some sympathy towards Collingwood because of purely selfish reasons that I work with the president of the Collingwood Football Club and it's better on a Monday if they won, right? Yeah. But I'm going to go a step further. I like Collingwood. I'm not yeah. saying I'm going to like Collingwood forever and I'm not saying that I, you know, there's, there's parts of their history I still hate. But this Collingwood, this team right now, there's just a lot about like the way they play football and the the cast of characters that they are and all this sort of thing that is really exciting and interesting to watch. And Brisbane are a bit the same. It was just a really entertaining game of footy. I'll go one step further and say I wouldn't be surprised if Collingwood win the flag this year. 
and it pains me to say it, but if you follow the trend of the last two years, where a team that is kind of middle of the pack just jumps out and just gets it right at the right time, then there is no reason that team can't be Collingwood. Like if they are humming like they have been for the last kind of five weeks or so in, in September, then why not them? I mean, if you could keep getting, if you could get consistent performances from some of these, you know, kids that like, you know, if Dugowie can play every week like he's playing and if Stevenson keeps improving at the rate that he's playing and, you know, Mason Cox suddenly has gone from not being able to, you know, market in the first two weeks and people saying, well, the Mason Cox experiment is over to just like in the final quarter on the weekend, he was just massive, took a couple of absolutely huge marks that just in that way that you were like, oh, you're a... Because Brisbane challenged him. Brisbane kicked like 12 straight, essentially, at one stage. And Zorko was on fire. And, you know, you were just... And Collingwood just got it done. It was really... It was a great game of footy. I loved it. What about the bloody shinbone of spirit, mate? The bloody... The oh, mate, we should mention We should mention North Melbourne, who, it turns yeah. out, are legitimate. Fucking too legit to quit. And Sean Higgins, who's always been one of my favourite footballers, um, never really got it together at the Bulldogs, mostly because of injuries. Uh, he is a superstar that I always thought he was going to be and it's so good to watch and I'm so glad it's happening for North Melbourne, a team where I can be happy for him. Yeah, <laughs> it really is the feel-good story. If, if it's not Collingwood, I'd like to see North. Like, I'd like to see North go, I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? And it's, it just reeks well of Shinbone's spirit. Like the year when everyone or a lot of people picked him to finish last, wouldn't that be amazing? Just a barnstorming like finals campaign. Even if they make... Like, even if they make it to the kind of last round of the finals, like the prelim, that would be incredible. That would, that would be enough to, to keep me going through this season because I'm struggling right now and I need, I need heroes. And the North Melbourne story would be enough if they can maintain this to keep me interested right into September. Yeah, I think uh, Ben Brown's fantastic. Higgins is fantastic. There's just a lot about North Melbourne. Yeah, I would like, if, if a team was going to come out of the blue... I'd love to see North Melbourne just have like this glorious run through. I'm not. I'm not sure that they're that good, but <laughs> but you know it's fun. But you never are. You never are. Apart from the Kerry years, you're never sure that North are that good. But they've actually been a consistent team. That I mean, like consistently middle of the road for the last ten years or so. But you know. You just never know, Will. Like, you guys are the blue collar working class team of two years ago. Maybe that's maybe that's the trend. I mean, maybe that is the trend. I would love to see that. That would be, oh, the shin bonus spirit. Like, would that not be it the greatest? It would be It wouldn't be amazing, just as like a, a bit of a retro grand final, a Collingwood North Melbourne grand final. That would be fantastic. I would love to see that. I mean, that would be amazing like yeah two teams that just would not understand like that that game would only have underdogs yeah <laughs> all right let's go through next round uh, i've got to go yeah okay hawthorne the swans friday right, night. i don't i can't see my message window so you tell you, you tell me uh, hawthorne and the swans friday night uh where is it in melbourne uh it is the mcg <sighs> i mean You'd reckon Hawthorne would win that, but it's just the kind of season where, you know, if they get Lance Franklin back, you could see Sydney coming out and winning that. Who traditionally has the wood on them? Like, it's Sydney, right? They've got the wood on Hawthorne traditionally, don't they? I don't really know. Hawthorne won a lot of premierships. I imagine they would have had to beat Sydney to do that. Tell me, do you think Sydney are any good? Well, they seem like they're not. From the like, They seem like they're not from the way that they've been playing, but they're no good in Sydney. Maybe they're good in Melbourne. My gut's saying Sydney. I'm going to pick the Swans. I'm going to say Hawthorne. I don't really know why, but I reckon Hawthorne. Uh, GWS versus West Coast is spotless. Uh, ooh, West Coast, I think. Humming. Oh, hang humming. on. That's my front door. I'm going to go and let the guy in, and then I'll come <laughs> okay. back and we'll finish. Hang on. <laughs> All right, guys. We're back. Uh, you wouldn't have seen this, Charlie, but Michael, our producer, was just talking while I went to let the uh, landscape uh, gardener into the yeah, the, the uh, <laughs> wink landscape gardener, if you know what I'm sorry, into my house. And uh, <laughs> the sad part is, it genuinely is a landscape garden. 
Yeah, but I like to imply there's more mystery in my life, yeah. Charlie. Uh, he mentioned the Sicily, James Sicily because we were talking about the line in the sand game and we were saying that uh, Sicily was the natural successor to Dermot Brereton's legacy, clearly. Mm. Uh, mm. Well, it turns out that Sicily is a big line in the sand game player and he was absolutely dominant. And at one stage, Joe Danaher uh, buggered up. I think he gave away a 50-metre penalty or something and Sicily kicked a goal and he came past Danaher and like went for a high five. <laughs> Love it. Oh, while we're talking about Joe Danaher, he uh, is struck down with the dreaded osteitis pubis, which has made a comeback. It's back. I thought osteitis pubis was gone, but, you know, OP, I'm down with OPP. Yeah, you know me. (laughs) Osteitis pubis pubis. (laughs) I mean, it must be the most high-profile osteitis pubis since Luke Ball in 2005. (laughs) I mean, I think it is. Like, I mean, this is a great day for those in the osteitis pubis community who've had a couple of lean years. I mean... Pharmaceutical companies are wrapped that osteoartis pubis is making a comeback. Did you pick anyone in the GWS West Coast game? I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to stick with my uh, love for the West Coast Eagle Eagles this year and uh, as a way to sort of obviously pay back. uh, Yeah, as a member of the Victorian media, Charlie, (laughs) I'd like to say that I'm the side of the West Coast Eagles and Ben Cousins. Good luck to Ben. Calton versus Essendon at the MCG. If Carlton were going to win a game, this could be the one that they win. Essendon, on paper, there should be no reason that Essendon loses to Carlton. But Essendon are without Danaher. They are barely going. Uh, They they can't win a third quarter. You know what? I'm going to say that Carlton win their first game of the season. And that's my lock of the week. Uh, I have not. Brendan Bolton's going to celebrate with uh, a little baby bottle of Gatorade. (laughs) And then the trainer will pick him up and burp him over his shoulder once he's done. Yeah, Juddy will test the temperature of it on his hand and then give him his little bottle, his celebratory bottle. Uh, I haven't seen enough of Essendon this year to know why they're so bad. Like. On paper, they should be good, right? They should be top eight on paper, maybe top four, but they're not going very well. Wow. Well, it doesn't make me feel so bad. Okay, uh, I'm going to pick... I'll pick the Bombers, just to be different. Gold Coast uh, taking on Melbourne. Uh, at the... at the Where is that again? Where the Gold Coast been the home game? At the Gabba. Is they're that, playing the at Gabba. the Gabba. Okay. Um, Melbourne. You have to think Melbourne, right? I'm going to say that Melbourne have started to bubble along a little well. You know, they've got a couple of wins under their belt. The whole story about Melbourne being a bit disappointing has gone away a little. And that, to me, Charlie, feels like the perfect time (laughs) for Melbourne to have a little stumble along the way. And I reckon the team to create that stumble might be the Gold Coast Football Club at the Gabba. And uh, I'm using the lock of the week that I didn't use last week to put in a specialist... (laughs) Second lock of the week. <laughs> Fantastic. Port Adelaide take on Adelaide at the. Is this this is the showdown? The showdown at Adelaide Oval. Um, yeah. oh, I don't even know. We're Adelaide at this year. We're a Port. I don't know. This is this a flip of the coin match? It feels like a flip of the coin. I would say on recent form that this is an Adelaide are actually starting to go really well, and Port Adelaide have fallen apart a bit. But as we know, much like the Q clash. Uh, it's Battle one of those games yeah it does uh, you just can't tell I mean Port need a big scalp Port have, I, I think have been staggering a bit and they really need a big scalp and Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval is probably a really good gettable big scalp you know it's their home yeah. game Port so they'll have a slightly bigger Port crowd than they do have an Adelaide crowd if they were going to snatch one This I could see why this would be the one but I, I think I think Adelaide are going pretty well I'm going to say Adelaide I'm not sure who's going to win this game but I would like this, in the spirit of like a heritage round type clash, after the game, no matter who wins, there should be a punch on at the Ramsgate. Don't you reckon? The car park outside the Ramsgate Hotel. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think that we have to say that. I bet that's been happening every year. I don't think that's a heritage <laughs> thing. I think that's Not an really. annual tradition. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick Adelaide. Uh, the Western Bulldogs take on the Brisbane Lions at Etihad Stadium in a game that 
uh, is a real danger game for the Bulldogs, I'd say. The Lions were really fantastic and looked like they're really starting to get some form together. But you know what? Um, like the Bulldogs are going okay, and I could see, I could see us winning this game. I could easily see us losing it. Bontempelli might be out for another week, but I'm just gonna, you know what? It's one of those. I feel like it would be disrespectful to the 2016 Premiership if I didn't, if I didn't pick them against Brisbane at Etihad. So, Western Bulldogs. I'm gonna pick the Lions, and that's my lock of the week. <laughs> Feels personal, but I get it. <laughs> Well, you can time to even up the ledger. Fremantle take on St Kilda over in the West. Oh, man. The Ross Lyon Cup. Uh, I mean, we're going to get pumped, but I will tip St Kilda because I always do. Uh, I'm going to tip Freo, and uh, I'm going to put an extra proviso on this. I predict that Nat Fife will play well. (laughs) (laughs) And then coach St Kilda next year. Captain coach. (laughs) Yeah, On Nat Sunday. Five having a look at the team that he will captain coach next year. <laughs> On Sunday, the Shinboners take on Richmond at Etihad Stadium. It's be a good game. If North Melbourne beat uh, Richmond at Etihad, and by the way, North Melbourne fans, come out. Like, you know, come out and support your club because you know that Richmond will buy a lot of tickets if you guys don't and your club is absolutely flying at the moment. So go out and watch your team play on the weekend and enjoy them. This would be a brilliant game. If North Melbourne win this, then suddenly they're a legitimate fairy story for this season regardless of what happens. It'd be a good one for them to win. The Tigers could drop one, maybe. Alex, Alex Rance goes to Ben Brown or Jared White. Uh, Best forward has to be Brown, right? It's interesting though, because you you wonder if they're like you can afford to leave like Brown on his own in the way that Alex Rance sometimes Uh. leaves a player by himself. And the other thing about Ben Brown is Ben Brown has a a really good aerobic capacity, much like Mm. Alex Rance does. So I'm not sure that he'd be exploited for sort of pace and running ability by Rance in the way that he does other players. I reckon if you were Brad Scott, you might even send weight to Rance to go yeah. with him. Because because Jared Waite's also a fantastic athlete. And that way you're going to leave Brown one out in the forward line if, you, if you're taking Rance away from the ball. So I reckon that's probably what will happen. I think that maybe Rance will try and go to Brown, but Waite will take him. I think North I wouldn't, And I wouldn't think it would be a bad one for Waite because Waite yeah. loves a bit of space. So if Rance goes in one direction and it turns over, Waite's there. But also Rance will take Waite to good positions when even when he's – not doing it himself. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Charlie, are you the super coach? This is a good move. I love this move. I hope that happens. <laughs> I would like also, though, to see Rance line up on Ben Brown because I think it's that the image of those two side by side is like the original odd couple. You know, you've got one dude who looks like he drives a combi and never wears shoes and you've got another dude who's like Mr. Slick Clark Kent. Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a surfer and his manager. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a motocross champion. Yeah, an X Games champion and his yeah. manager. <laughs> um, I'm going to pick North just because I want them to win. Yeah, I want them to win as well, but I'm going to be realistic about it and say that Richmond probably still win. But a good game, that game of the round maybe, Evan. Our last game is the Pies taking on Geelong at the MCG. This will be a cracker. Yeah, Collingwood are flying and Geelong are going okay. Going like okay. Geelong, there was enough to like and probably Ablett back this week as well. Um, this, this would be a good game. Two really good midfields as well, like, you know, going at each other at the moment. If if Collingwood win this, I reckon that it, that's a really good sign for them. That Then you'd really start to be thinking about Collingwood being a, you know, a team that's going to make the finals and maybe even do some damage in the finals. You know what? In the same way as you did it for North Melbourne in the last round, I'm going to do it for Collingwood on this round. If I'm going to have this brief period of my time, Charlie, where I'm happy for the success of Collingwood, <laughs> then I might as well lean into it, you know? I might yeah. as well enjoy it for this week. I'm going to barrack for Collingwood. Ooh, that <laughs> sounds gross. I've got to be honest I know, gross. <laughs> I hope this period finishes soon. I've got to be honest with you. As much as I'm enjoying it, I'm still... It's like Westworld. Like, yeah, my, my, my enjoyment of watching Collingwood is much like my enjoyment of watching Westworld. I like it. I can't really explain why I like it. It feels a bit unnatural and I have a lot of questions about whether I really do enjoy it. It's a mystery to me. But anyway, I'm sticking with it. Collingwood and Westworld. 
<laughs> oh, I'm going to double the gross factor and I'm also going to pick Collingwood. If they win this, the, is the lid off? How, how off is the lid if they win this game? Well, because I think we had, if they win we, the- had, we, we had Scott Dooley, uh, our pick to play James Hurd and the upcoming biopic Scott Dooley. Mad Pies fan Scott Dooley contact us um, a couple of weeks ago and say he lives in New York. But every Pies fan has been contacting him saying it's legit. They're real. They can win the whole thing. So would the lid be off or just half off? No, I think what we could finally say is they no longer need their backs to be against the wall. That's what I would say. I wouldn't say that the lid's off, but I would say that they've thrown off their kind of – the thing that you knew about Collingwood was they were only reliable when their backs were against the wall. I mean, this is a team, Charlie, that can stand up regardless of where they are in the vicinity of the wall. (laughs) They could be in the middle of a field. Yeah, their proximity to a wall has no bearing on their performance on the field anymore. Do you think it's like, do people try that, that phone prank when they call the Lexus Centre where they ask if there's any walls there, but it has yeah. nothing to do with what's keeping your roof up? It's just a genuine question. Are there any walls there? Because we need to know how close you are if you're going to win this weekend. Yeah, has anyone got their back to said walls? Sorry, this is not a prank call. This is an actual call. And by the way, I've got a new idea for our James Heard movie. Um, Because I know everyone's like, oh, they'll make a James Herb movie and it'll be about the time at Essendon. But I've got a different twist on the James Herb movie. I think Mm. we shoot an indie, Scott Dooley playing James Herb. The James Herb post the Essendon scandal, he's in France learning how to make chocolates. Right. You know, it's kind of like an art house, like just set in a small French village. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And you know what's... What's great about that is while uh, James is over there in France, you know, doing his business studies or whatever, he meets a family called Lacra. <laughs> you might know our nephew. He plays in the AFL, from what we understand. He is a wonderful player in the forward pocket. <laughs> he dodges, he wheezes, he kicks goals. One day he kicked 12 and he asked everyone <laughs> to refer to him as Mark Ledazen. <laughs> Hang on, wait one sec. Wait, wait, here we go. I should have done this from the start, sorry. <laughs> ah, James, welcome to our village. We hope you like our cheese and our onions. Explain more about this game that our nephew Mark plays. La, 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 la. We love our nephew, Mark Lacroix. He plays a game we have not seen, but he claims to be the best that's ever been. It was a really good telly movie until this really weird scene halfway through where James Heard meets Mark Lacroix's uncle and starts singing a song. What I love is uh, also, Charlie, uh, when I was letting in the landscape gardener, yeah. Um, that uh, I said to him, I said, I'll, I'll be back down in a minute. I've just got to finish this work phone call. And, <laughs> like, imagine if that's what he, he walked up. Like, he needs to know how to unlock the shit or something. He comes up and he just sees on your Skype screen some dude with his iPhone near a microphone singing a made up phrase. <laughs> He's like, What's that bizarre chat room? How much does that cost a month? <laughs> Oh, a lot. It costs us <laughs> <Yeah>. a lot. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's wrap it up for this week. Uh, Australia's leading right. football analysis. <laughs> yeah. Once again, that's all issues covered. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to support the show, uh, please check out our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash TOFOP. Um, what else can people do to support our show? They can talk about they, it, I guess. Yeah. Tell other people about it, spread it around. If this is the sort of thing that, uh, look, I think we found a level with this podcast where we've completely (laughs) stopped trying to pretend we know anything about football. Uh, I feel like us actually watching the games and, you know, trying to learn the players' names and stuff was really holding us back creatively, Charlie. And so, look, if you feel like there's some people out there who are like, yeah, I'd listen to a podcast where they know nothing about the subject they're talking about every week, then recommend it. Yeah, well, Kevin Smith had a, a, a podcast called Puck Nuts for a while, which was all about ice, ice hockey. And I never knew 
anything about ice hockey. And it seemed when I listened to that show, those guys never knew anything about ice hockey either. It was still an entertaining listen. So I think you can recommend this to people who like football, but don't like too much detail in their football podcasts. Right. It's not, it's not a compelling pitch, but find somebody who has low standards and pass on the podcast. Uh, we also have a Facebook page where you can meet other like-minded individuals. If you are in the west of us and you have a whisper, send it our way. Send us anyway. We, we like all correspondence. Um, we'll probably do another uh, uh, Two Guys, One Cup, a Two Guys, One Bag episode in the future and put it on the Patreon page, a little bit of bonus content. Actually, uh, if you want, the, one of the reasons to go to our Patreon page you want to support us is if you pay any amount from a dollar upwards, you can listen to a, a, a Two Guys, One Bag, which is where uh, about a month ago Will and I answered some of your questions. Yeah, do that, and we'll try to do another one again soon. All right, nice. All right. I'm okay. on tour, uh, Canberra oh, yeah. and Sydney still to come on my Will Eagle tour. Thanks to everyone who came out in Perth. Play on, not 15. Ball. We are to go.